I'm Chalanga. I'm Dylan. And this is the C&D NBA show. Welcome, y'all. It's good to have you here. Uh, we live a weird life here on this planet Earth. I don't know. That's a weird way to start it, but I fe- that's just how I've been feeling lately. Like, life sure is weird. And by weird, I mean fucked up and shitty. <laughs> yeah. For almost everyone. Yeah. Except yeah. So. Especially black folk in America right now. So, I, I mean, I, I don't feel right starting the podcast without talking about Dante Wright and what, what's going on. Because it's it's been on my mind pretty constantly. So we're just gonna give 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 a quick update on what's going on and whatnot. So Kim Kim Porter Kim Potter, excuse me, the Capuchat uh, Dante Wright has been charged with second degree murdered manslaughter today by the BCA, which is good. That was fast. That happened real quick. Her statement saying, and maybe it was strategic, but her statement saying that she meant to go for a taser automatically removes like murder and mm-hmm. move bumps it down to manslaughter which is unfortunate mm-hmm. because i don't see in any world i don't see any world where you mistake a taser for a gun uh given all of the scenarios that i've seen like the what the tasers are in the brooklyn center police department and where they are on her like whatever anyway but yeah it's good and it looks like governor walls is also trying to get this case to be passed on to the attorney general's office, which is, I think, maybe better than moving it to Washington County. That's my guess. Washington yeah. County is a smaller county, right? So it's yep. probably more conservative and therefore probably more pro-police. So that's yeah, probably I think, good. I think that's a good thing. My whole thing with it is that even if it was a mistake, that mistake was fueled by a fear that could only be created by this like deep seated racism uh, toward this black man. I mean, she, she's a 26 year, 25 year veteran of the police force. That's not a mistake you just make unless you are like fucking scared. And why are you so scared of this black kid? Yeah. Because of racism. <laughs> I don't yeah. know, there's no other yeah. way to put That's it, it anymore. Like, That's it. That's we've it. talked about this enough. If, if anyone wants to hear more of our thoughts on kind of like what, the steps that we want to take we did a great pod uh this summer about george floyd way back when and it was 100 non-basketball what i said way back when oh yeah it feels like it feels <laughs> it's simultaneously like yesterday and 100 years ago for real but yeah so if anyone wants to listen to that we talk about that without getting into any basketball talk and i feel like you know we we've said it all before and there's really nothing new and it, that's the shittiest part of all of this, but. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so if, if you're not tuned in, I mean, things are hectic in Brooklyn Center right now. I mean, it's like the cops have arrested, by my count, based on what I've read, like 173 protesters, probably more. And they are using tear gas and flashbangs and rubber bullets. Uh, even though, the like, the Brooklyn Center mayor is on camera saying our police force we no longer will use rubber bullets against the, our, our citizens and whatever blah 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 so, i mean it's just like it's absolutely ridiculous because those can kill people and they can really hurt people and they are really hurting people uh and fucking up people's lives by arresting them and, and 
It's fucking horrible. Let's help policing protect people and not property. Amen. They respond to water bottles and rocks while they are in full riot gear with tear gas and rubber bullets. It's fu- it's disgusting. It's absolutely fucking disgusting. It's the Stanford project or whatever where you give uh, someone power and then they decide to abuse it, you know? Yeah. And, and they, they sure as fuck do. Um, you, you can read. I have an article up on zone coverage right now. And, and I talk about some some personal experience that I have. And I talk about what the NBA, like how the NBA should take a stand against police brutality uh, through measures that are small and simple and and easy. But unfortunately, will probably never happen. At least not soon. Mm-mm. Which... Is really unfortunate. You know what it's going to take is it's it's going to take the players taking actions like they did in the bubble. And I mean, it's unfair that the players have to do it, but that's and what it's going to take. But maybe not even that because they already did that. And I think the point is, is like they the players need to take action that's actually going to affect the owners. Mm-hmm. And obviously, whatever happened last summer wasn't enough because most owners, like yes, there were pledges and blah blah blah, but most owners mm-hmm. didn't do that much. I, I don't think the Target Center was a voting place. Well, no, it, did, it, it didn't make it. <laughs> it didn't make it. But the State Farm Arena did, and that that was important. And I don't want to. I don't want to diminish that. While also, you know, holding Glenn Taylor and all these other motherfuckers accountable for, you know, being billionaires. Well, people are out here get, being killed by police. Becoming billionaires money. based off of black labor. Specific. Yes, um, like almost exclusively. It's fucked up. The world sucks, and you know, life moves forward. Um, my life moves forward. Dylan's life moves forward, and like the best way to honor those whose lives have been taken is to demand justice and live your life to the fullest. Because we are all lucky to be here. Because at any point, some fucking cop with a gun could take it from us. So we're going to move on to the podcast. And how we start every podcast is with some news from around the NBA. So Dylan, it's time for some real stupid news. First, more bummer news. (laughs) That was bummer news. Now it's stupid news. Uh, Jamal Murray has torn his ACL. He will be out for the rest of the season. He tore it against the Golden State Warriors with like 50 seconds left in the game. The game was almost over. They were down by seven. They probably weren't coming back. It just is, it's heartbreaking. It's obvious that, like, especially with the condensed amount of games in the second half of the season, because Adam Silver wants to get to the Olympics, it's obvious that they don't really care about player health. And it sucks. I mm. The biggest problem to me with this is that the NBA plans on having a regular or regular-ish uh, schedule next year. And right now that brings us to a year from now, It we will be in the playoffs again. And so is Jamal Murray going to be healthy in a year? With a torn ACL, you never know. Yeah. Yes, Adrian Peterson came back after like six months or nine months or whatever. Mm-hmm. But like, it's always different. And I don't know if he's going to be coming back in the playoffs next year. And that's going to be a totally different level of basketball than if he were to be able to come back and work himself in. Like 
I don't know if he's going to be able to be ready to like play playoff basketball in 12 months. Right. Even if he takes the fat, like a super fast timeline and he's back by next March, he's got a month to play himself into playoff basketball shape and like get reacclimated to basketball. And, and then they're in the playoffs, you know, and it's, it's, it's a, it's especially sucks because the nuggets, I, I mean, they were legitimate finals contenders this year and next you know? year. And, and that's my, my point is that like, not only does this take them out of it this year, but next year, it gets close to taking them out of it just because of this, just because Jamal is going to have to play himself back into shape mm-hmm. next season at the very least, if he even comes back. I mean, the good news is that all, all of their core pieces are under the age of 26. So they do have time. Their window is is big right now with Murray and Jokic and Gordon and MPJ. Their, their window is pretty big. Uh, as long as they're willing to go into the luxury the tax. Yeah, because they're going to have to pay MPJ in a couple years here. And uh, he is not going to be cheap, let me tell you. Hopefully, the salary cap rises yes. in the next couple of years. But on top Which it probably of that, will. maybe the Denver Nuggets are the litmus test for if we can actually make small to mid-market teams competitors and maybe there are ways for them to alleviate the luxury tax for smaller to mid-market teams so that they can keep these cores intact and be able to pay michael porter jr this is kind of in in my opinion the way like the wolves are not going to get lucky and draft Giannis. right this Mm -hmm. is the way that the wolves could replicate or emulate. This is the team that the Wolves could emulate and actually become a successful franchise. Maybe the Spurs were the last of the small market competitors because now we are fully in the information age and like things move fast. People people don't have patience anymore to to wait and to stick it out. And and, and I don't know. It just. It seems unlikely that uh, I don't see the small to mid market that is going to be the com- the champion anytime soon, which is unfortunate. Except if we see the Utah Jazz this year, baby. Ye- you know they're not good enough. Yeah. We all know they're not good enough. Nope. There are three teams that they have no chance against. So, yep. All right. In other news, the headline from ESPN is NBA GMs. And health officials see link between compressed schedule and the rash of injuries. Um, duh. This sounds like the concussion report that came out in 2010. They're like, it looks like if you play football, you get hit in the head. You might have traumatic brain injuries. Tell the truth. Tell the truth. That's uh, Will Smith in concussion. Look, I know Mark Cuban started this shit. Because he's pissed that his Dallas Mavericks are not as good as he thought they were going to be. And now they're going to have to play in the playing game. And he's fucking mad, even though he voted for the playing game. This is bullshit because all these GMs and health officials are walking back the thing that they voted for because they were fucking greedy and wanted their money. So fuck y'all. You are causing players injury. And now you're trying to be like, oh, no, this was a bad idea. I can't believe we did this. All these people are getting hurt. But you're just greedy motherfuckers, and you know it. That's all I got to say on it. Also, the NBA players voted on this. Like, this would be nowhere without the players' union support. And it just maybe 
in the future, this gives the players players union like maybe it makes them think twice before agreeing to this type of stuff. And and I know that this is also make or break money for the players, and that's one of the reasons why the mm-hmm. season went on the way it did. Yep. Well, that's what I mean. the 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 players have the highest stakes, yo. Like the players were at risk of losing the most money. <laughs> yes, the players did vote for this, but it, it's not. It's it's the owners. It's the go- it's the board of governors fault. That's that's who it is, because they are the greedy motherfuckers who are like, I we need this money, blah, blah, blah. And the GMs aren't putting their bodies at risk. The health officials aren't putting their bodies at risk, but the players are putting their bodies at risk and like don't want to sacrifice this life changing money. A lot of them, you know, having come from not having life changing money. Uh, in the next piece of real stupid news, Anthony Edwards does not know who Alex Rodriguez, a.k.a. A-Royd is duh of course he doesn't (laughs) that is the most amazing piece of news that i could have heard all week this is the first upper that we've had all podcasts so let's just revel in it guys anthony edwards is the coolest guy he is the coolest nba player that i can remember in my lifetime maybe charles barkley was also this cool when he was a player giving interviews but like that he's on that level he is hall of fame fun in an interview Alex Rodriguez retired in 2016. Anthony Edwards was like 15 years old, 14 years old. Playing baseball. I guess he did play baseball, he but he didn't, baseball. he didn't give a fuck about Alex Rodriguez, like 40-year-old Alex Rodriguez. Are you kidding me? We should, no. I would love to play a game with him. Like, do you know who this player is? And just go through a list of NBA players that he doesn't know. He probably doesn't know that much. I mean, he's not a he's not a sports historian, you know. I don't. Yeah, and guess what? I don't give a shit if he's a sports historian. It's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious. Yeah, he's, he's I in bet his he, own game and great. Dylan, I bet he knows fifty rappers that you don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> um, and he could dunk on all of us. So that's really all that matters. Uh, not on and- me. I'm not getting on the court. <laughs> the only reason he's not dunking on Dylan is because he will not step on that court. I was about ready to say today uh, during this Bucks game, I was like, "Just put me in. Like, I'm, I'm here. I'm in the city. Suit me up. I will go on that court, and I could play about as good as that that last fucking five minutes of just turnover after turnover after turnover." But Chalenga, you would have to wear those like social justice T-shirts. Are you sure you'd want to do that? Fuck those. I hate those. I hate that shit. Justice for all. Weak. With liberty and justice for all. And our last piece of real stupid news, Austin Rivers is going to sign with the Denver Nuggets. They do need that point guard help. Oh, God. Uh, With Jamal being hurt. Unfortunately, that's kind of a disappointing uh, replacement for Jamal. Yeah, just think if they could have gotten Jeff Teague right off, they would have just been perfect in perfect oh. time for the buyout market. Oh, Jeff Teague. Um, <laughs> you know, you know who else is available? Shabazz Napier. Shabazz. Oh. Who isn't that bad? That actually might be interesting to kick the tires on that because actually I think Shabazz Napier has probably more of a similar game than Austin Rivers does. Yeah, I mean, he's just little. And I guess they already have Facundo Campazzo, who is also very little. So they they don't need another little guard. And at least Austin Rivers has size. And, like, he's a fine defender. 
and he can heat up every once in a while and score some points. So I think this is a fair, this it's a fine fit. I think Mont- Monte Morris is going to start. I think that the most important part of this is that Will Barton has to have an increased role now. And can mm-hmm. he, with an increased role, because he's looked really bad in comparison to last year. Like last year he had a career year, but mm-hmm. that was with like having a much larger role on the team pre-bubble. Can he get anywhere close to back to that? Because if he can, then the Denver Nuggets will still pose a threat at least in the second round. I I agree. I agree. And cause, because Jokic is playing out of his mind, and Aaron Gordon. Well, now he'll be the third option, but he he was the fourth option, and he looked great as the fourth option. So as the third option, we'll see. You know, I I think the the Denver Nuggets playoff potential will depend on Michael Porter Jr. If MPJ can kind of you know be that dude that we all want him to be then the nuggets could be dangerous but if he's if he's not then you know i i don't know cuz cuz it's hard to win around jokic like you need some special players around jokic to win that's real stupid news for the week um w- normally at this point we talk about the minnesota timberwolves uh, unfortunately this week's games have been what's the word fucking shitty is the is the word i'm looking for <laughs> That's one word, everybody. It's like German, where you can just combine a couple words to make it one word. Exactly. I mean, it's two back-to-back blowout losses against two of the best teams in the East. Uh, Carl Anthony Towns has not played. And so there is nothing to talk about. So Dylan and I were kicking the tires. We are like, what are we talking about? What are we talking about? And we realized, oh, snap. Now is the perfect time to do a 2020 rookie class redraft. What? So, yeah, we're going to go 1 through 14. We're just going to do the lottery. Dylan and I will alternate picks. Uh, and, and we'll redraft based on, one, what they've showed us so far. Two, what they've showed us so far we think could lead to something bigger. And three, the pre-draft uh, hype around them and their, like, potential factor. All right? So... It's it's not all about just like how they did this season. This is not rookie of the year. This is still a pre-draft, and we're still drafting on potential. There there will be some players who go higher than other players who have had clearly better seasons because they got more potential. All right. I am going to flip a coin to decide who goes first. This is live, ladies and gentlemen, and non-binary folks. Please be chilling. Dylan, heads or tails? Okay. I will pick heads because tails never fails and i want you to be the person who has to talk about Lamelo ball <laughs> it's heads fuck you pick first also are we selecting this player based on what that team would select or are we just selecting it based off of how we would draft it regardless of the personnel on the team that was drafting at that position i guess let's not talk about the team and just do it based on who who are the best players or who we think okay. the best players will be. Yep. So all these teams are even. Um, they're not, mm-hmm. We're not starting with their... Okay, but whatever. I still pick Lamella Ball, number one, overall. Lame! That's my nickname for him because I don't like the nickname of Mellow. It actually does confuse me because sometimes on different charts, I was seeing like Mellow and I didn't know who it was. Like, let's just give him a different nickname there are plenty of nicknames it doesn't have to be the same nickname as someone who is an nba hall of famer 
Exactly. I'm with you 100%. But this this pick, is, I mean, this is the clear choice. He is better than I thought he would be. I'm going to, I just, I made a mistake. I messed up. I didn't like him pre-draft, but I had never considered that the 18-year-old kid playing against 30-year-old white dudes in Australia would uh, just be kind of fucking around, <laughs> you know? Even though uh, it was clear that he was fucking around. I mean, he was fucking around, but the problem is, is that we didn't know what he would look like when he was not going to be fucking around, right? Yes, yes, and exactly. When he's playing against 30-year-old not fucking around dudes and he's not fucking around, it turns mm. out that he is still pretty good. Yeah, um, he's good. <laughs> I mean, so he's... he's second in points per game and then he's basically he's first in assists per game he is first in box plus minus first in vorp still even though he's missed a bunch of games i mean and he's playing for a team that is on the inside of the playoffs looking out the charlotte hornets are probably going to be in the east playing tournament but they're still i think eighth in the east no they're seventh There's, in the, the east. hornets yeah they're seventh they're they're, they're tied good they're they're a playoff team. Yeah. Probably, so like almost definitely. And at least a play-in team. So the only thing that I would say, so he's been a very large contributor to a great team, maybe even the second largest contributor to a solid team in the East, an above 500 team. The one thing I would say is that I believe the Hornets are still over 500 in his absence. Um, yes, they are. And so this team is good without him about as good maybe even technically if you look at the winning percentage slightly better at this point small sample size but and i'm not saying that lamello ball doesn't contribute to winning on this team obviously he does obviously he's meant a lot to them and if he's a good player on a on a good team already sky's the limit for him because i thought it was going to take a while um lamello ball is leading all rookies in rebounds by the way lamello ball in rebounds per game in rebounds per game yes okay. not in total rebounds but in rebounds per game Jeez. isaiah stewart is right behind him um they're they're basically tied um Shit. but <laughs> yeah that's lamello that is has been really a, good that is a huge indictment on james wiseman who is over seven feet tall he's been starting games and he can't collect six rebounds a game that should be the easiest thing for him to do. He was supposed to be a defensive stalwart. What the hell? To be fair, James Wiseman was only playing like 21 and a half minutes per game compared to LaMelo's above 30 minutes per game. And Doesn't James matter. Wiseman was, um, he was collecting 5.8 rebounds per game to LaMelo's 5.9. So. Okay, so per 36, but it still shouldn't matter. He should, he's standing in the place where you get automatic rebounds like he should be getting rebounds from missed free throws you know what i mean and he's like seven point he's seven foot two so he's, he's like massive you know all right lamello is the first pick that makes sense i've got the second pick and with the second pick in our redraft i'm selecting anthony edwards oh thank god thank yeah, don't god. worry don't worry i'm not stupid look in, in anthony edwards last uh 10 games He's at uh, 23, 5, and 2 with 1.7 steals per game. On the season, he's at 18, 4.5, and 2.6. I mean, the man is playing 
honestly better than I thought he would this season. He started playing basketball in high school and he is younger than any of the rookies on this list. Uh, I don't know. I don't think he's the youngest. I think Teo Maladon is the youngest, right? Maybe uh, Pokashevsky actually he might is, is the youngest. So Anthony Edwards is doing great. He's played less basketball and he's younger than almost everybody. And I honestly, if I were the Minnesota Timberwolves, I would still consider taking Anthony Edwards over overall number one, just because of what D'Lo already brings the Timberwolves and the, the fit that I see with Anthony Edwards going forward. I think it's perfect. I think he is showing that he can play on ball, off ball, and he's showing signs in the half court on ball that he can play some defense. He has a long way to go on off ball defense. He is maybe single-handedly the worst defender on the Timberwolves, which who have the worst defense in, in the last, uh, since the all-star break. I'm just yeah. spitballing here. I'm not, I'm not, I don't know if that's the exact figure. Maybe there's one team, maybe the thunder are worse on def- defense over these last, uh, couple games, but like, he is the worst defender, and it's because he just doesn't always know when where to stand. He's doubling on Chris Middleton, but then he doesn't have another guy. Like, you need to have, when you're doubling, you need to have a secondary cover. Otherwise, yep. someone's not yep. going to be guarded, and it, it puts all the other players in a bad position. Jaden McDaniels was having to guard two players at once a lot of time today. Yep. I mean, he definitely is lacking that, like, internal like back of the head motor that keeps him going and keeps him like moving and, and like aware of what's going on around him. Uh, and I, I hope that can develop, but at the very least, the dude, I, I said, I said he could come into the league and put up 15 points per game. No problem. But like he's coming into the league and putting up 20 points per game. No problem. And that is tight. I, I think the real losers here are is Golden State for not drafting LaMelo Ball because LaMelo would be a great fit on Golden State because Steph Curry is better off ball than he is on, on ball almost, you know? And then you go into next season with a healthy Steph, a healthy Clay, a healthy Dre, and LaMelo. You've got so much playmaking, a ton of shooting because, I mean, Melo's shooting 37.5% from three. Uh, so I, I think Golden State's the real losers here, not Minnesota. I mean, to me, the most important part is that LaMelo Ball keeps the Golden State from having to play Nico Mannion, right? Uh, <laughs> yes. It's the backup point guard minutes that he would be able to provide with the Warriors. And he would be able to take some of the offensive uh, burden away from Andrew Wiggins, who obviously cannot start a second unit even. I don't mm-hmm. think that he can lead a second unit as a as like the creator. I don't know about definitely not point guard, but I don't even know if he can be the creator mm-hmm. of a second unit. And I think LaMelo ball would have alleviated all of those struggles that they've had when Steph Curry's on the bench, which is every problem that they have. <laughs> I can confirm that Nico Mannion will not be making this redraft lottery. Uh, with that being said, Dylan, who is your number three overall pick in this redraft? This is lottery. where I start going a little crazy, but Uh-oh. I, so I swear to God, if you say Jaden McDaniels, I'm going to slap you, no, 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 you in the not, face next time I see you. It's not Jaden McDaniels, but it's close. <laughs> okay. I am basing most of my picks off of potential and not off of what they have done so far this season. So a lot of people probably would think you take Tyrese Halliburton here. It's not even a competition. But personally, 
Tyrese Halliburton, first of all, is he 21 or 22? I mean, he's an older player. He's 21. This was his age 20 season because he turned 21 on February 29th. He's got a leap year birthday. What the fuck? Damn. 29th. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. So he's actually four or something. <laughs> yeah, he's four years he's old. the youngest player in the draft. Tyrese Halliburton, the youngest <laughs> player ever to be drafted he's, in the NBA. He's five, he's five years old. He was born in the year 2005. <laughs> Whatever. But with Tyrese Halliburton, my biggest issue is is not even the age. It's more what I think he can be in the NBA. He's got a small frame. He's a good defender right now, but I just don't see as high of a ceiling as I see with the player that I will be selecting number three overall. P. Willie is going to Charlotte. That is a solid pick. I like Patrick Williams. I remember the first time the uh, the Wolves played the Bulls, I was like, I'm excited to prove that Jaden McDaniels is a better prospect than Patrick Williams. And then I watched Patrick Williams play and I was like, oh, wait. <laughs> nah. He's a, that ain't he's right. A, he has the perfect body to be a three or a four in the NBA. He's mm-hmm. like really stout and he's so athletic. Like his dunks mm-hmm. are great. He might be the second best dunker in this class. And it, it, that's a class that includes Anthony Edwards. So that's solid. You know, <laughs> being second yep. isn't too shabby. Uh, mm-hmm. He is 38% this year from three. If mm-hmm. he can do that, given like he has gotten all of the toughest assignments on this terrible Bulls defense, which has just gotten even worse since Vooch joined the team. If he can like continue guarding the the most difficult guard on the opposing team and shoot 38% from three, uh, the sky's the limit for this kid. Like I see exactly why people are comparing him to Kawhi Leonard. It's all there. His efficiency isn't all there. Uh, Right now he is a negative 3.1 box plus minus. And he's clearly just not ready to be the best defender on a playoff team yet. But all of the tools are there. I think that he has the highest upside of any of the players after three. I, I feel you. I probably would have drafted Tyrese here. But so so just for, for his, his counting stats, he's 9.4 points, 4.6 rebounds, 1.36, and 1.6 stocks, steals, and blocks per game. His uh, defensive box plus minus is a negative 0.3, which is like in the top 10 of, of rookies right now um and and that's pretty high especially since his box plus minus is negative 3.1 you said so Oof. that must negative 3 2.9 offensive box plus minus but i'm with you patrick williams has a ton of potential with a number four pick in the 2020 redraft i draft my dude tyrese halliburton i i can't let him fall any further than this he really fell in the real draft and i'm sure there are a lot of teams kicking themselves for this and you know, I think the the big thing with Tyrese is like, okay, uh, high ceiling or high floor, low ceiling, right? And it he's was before shown, the draft. It was before the draft, and I, I think that he's shown actually a, a, a higher ceiling than anyone thought uh, because he he's come in and, and performed above expectation super quick. I mean, he's second to Lamelo Ball in BPM, VORP, and win shares. He's shooting. from three. He scored 13 points, three rebounds, five assists per game. He is like, uh, has his hands are constantly on the ball on defense. He's like constantly tipping, getting in passing lanes, forcing steals. 
he's super intelligent. His big issue is that he is super thin and a little bit undersized. He's he's like coming off the bench. He's playing a lot of small forward for the Kings right now, which just is not his role. Um, he's got a super low free throw rate. He's got a free throw rate of point zero six nine. So he is almost never taking free throws. I get it. He is great. He has such high efficiency on a team that's twenty two and thirty two. They're just getting worse and worse. They just lost three games since the last time I looked. Mm -hmm. I don't get why people are like, well, Tyrese Halberton's on a team that matters. This whole narrative that he's on a team that matters, he just got dropped from from being a starter this week. So, like, if you're you're trying to tell me that Tyrese Halberton has this high ceiling or whatever, or or I I just don't see it. I get it. I see like what he is at right now is awesome. But at the same time, he has played three more years of basketball than a lot of these guys that I'm taking over him. And he is everything that he is, is something that someone can be good at. Now he is not a primary creator. He doesn't have to do that. De'Aaron Fox is on that team to do that. What he has to be there for, and I don't even know if he's guarding the the toughest guard on the opposite team when he when they're playing. I don't. No, he's I, he's a he's a far superior off ball defender than he is on ball. Yeah. So I don't see him being a franchise changer on any of these teams. He will not change a franchise. He will help a good team become great, but he right now he's helping a bad team become bad yeah he, he's certainly not the best guy on an uh uh a nba championship team but i could see him being the third guy which is really fucking good uh i couldn't really it, not it's the third guy on a championship team the third best guy on a championship team is a really good player i mean he's not there yet and he's going to have to get better i I mean, he's a 40%, if you're talking about... He's a 40% three-point shooter who can also... So is Desmond Bain. But he can create off the dribble. He can pass the ball. He can get a ton of steals. He's not like a... He's not an on-ball, like, shut-down guy. But, I mean, he is... He's a creator, you know? If he that, becomes that's something. The third, if he becomes the third best player... I, the problem is, is, is what a lot of that creation is you need to be the second or first best player on that championship team in order to have that role. You know what I mean? He is, his size is tough. Six, five, 190 pounds is tough. And that's precisely what, in my opinion, limits him Mm -hmm. Mm long-term. He's not going to be the best defender on, on your team. He's not going to be the best creator on your team on a championship team, I should say. And he's not, mm-hmm. he's just, he's not going to do anything the best on a championship team. So being the third guy is going to be tough for him, but he will win a championship. I, I, he is like the type of player who I, I like firmly believe there is going to be a championship team that is going to be like, we need right. that guy. Well, he's going to have to be out of Sacramento then. <laughs> he will be. Don't worry. Uh, <laughs> Sacramento is going to be paying a bunch of money for Marvin Bagley and De'Aaron Fox and Buddy Heald and then just blow it up. Oh my god, that's the worst. I would That's that's that, where they're headed. That's where they're headed right now. You know that's where they're headed. That is the darkest franchise. Like the Wolves are bleak, but I think that there are a couple teams that are more bleak and one of those teams is the Sacramento Kings. That future I'm scared of. All right, who do you draft 5th, Dylan, 
in our oh, 2020 so redraft. Is it my turn? Yes, it is. Okay, this one is purely based on speculation. The Timberwolves fans are going to go crazy here because I'm picking Jaden McDaniels fifth overall. What we have seen in oh his God, potential I knew that was gonna happen. when he is at his best, he looks like a defensive player of the year candidate. When you're talking about Tyrese Halliburton being the third best, like his ceiling being the third best player on a championship team, I think Jaden McDaniels is being the second best player on a championship team. In no way am I saying that he's going to get close to that. His floor is very low, especially offensively. I need to see him scoring at the rim with consistency. I need to see him making the open threes with consistency because we've seen the threes with consistency, but I feel like when he's wide open, he's not any better. And what I need him to do, if he's going to be the second best player on a championship team, every time he is open from three, he will have to make that shot, especially if he's not going to be that much more effective at getting to the line or at driving downhill. But his defense, his defense is Ben Simmons-esque. I have graduated from saying that his defensive ceiling is Jonathan Isaac. It is now Ben Simmons. Wow. Because for me, I have Jaden McDaniels as the second best defender in this rookie class. Um, Who is the best defender? We will find out soon. Uh, (laughs) No, I should just say Devin Vassell. Okay. Devin Vassell is the best defender in, in this rookie class. Wow, over your boy Isaac Okoro. Yeah, uh, yeah, for sure, for sure. I mean, I'm because Isaac Okoro just it, I've come to the realization that he's just small, and that is going to like be a very limiting factor for him is that he's just too small. But Devin I'm Vassell is not. You, I Isaac Okoro doesn't look that much bigger than Darius Garland to me, and. That's a problem. I I know that he is listed currently like he was he came in at 66 now he's listed at 65 it seems like mm-hmm. he might mm-hmm. even be like 64 or 63 barefoot. Is he going we to We will talk able- about Isaac Okoro when okay, we draft fine, Isaac Okoro, fine, fine, but right fine, now we're fine. talking Jaden McDaniels. Fine. And uh, I mean I get you. So I was actually surprised cuz the advanced stats really hate Jaden McDaniels, but his vorp is negative 0.5, which is decent. Is that's not good. That's bad. I mean, it's, He's it's 48. Decent. The only players who are worse than him in VORP right now, Denny Avdia, James Wiseman, Pokashevsky, Anthony Edwards, and Isaac Okoro, and Theo Maladon. Okay, but I like most of those players' futures. <laughs> you know? It's because he's been playing so much for a yeah. shitty team. For a yeah, shitty yeah. team that has no offensive production when Carl Anthony Towns is off the court and he's been playing a lot of those minutes without Carl Anthony Towns. And you know, Jaden McDaniels uh his his defensive box plus minus is negative 0.3 which is really dope especially for a team that is so terribly defensively. Uh the the fact that that the that stat is recognizing his defensive ability is an homage to how good he is. Um the one thing I'm con- like confused about and uh, like maybe concerned about is that he's only shooting 60% from the free throw line. Yeah, I don't know what's going on there. It's obviously like getting in the repetition of it, right? I think that he just needs to spend a lot of time on it because his shot's there. I guess I'm not that worried about it, but I'm more worried about him not being able to take on contact. That's long-term what I'm more worried about. But like if he gets to the... I feel like if he gets to the line more often, 
then that's going to get there. I think that's the partially the reason why it's at 60% is because he's just not there enough. He doesn't have those, those same opportunities to feel those nerves of being in the spotlight and having to make those shots. Right. Yeah. I feel you. All right. Number six, this is my turn. And here I am going to draft who I believe is the best defender in this draft class. And that is Devin Vassell. Number six. I haven't watched a ton of Devin Vassell, but what I have watched has been like really impressive. So he he doesn't play a ton of minutes. He is. And he's playing less these days. That's one of the reasons why I did not have him this high. He is playing 16 and a half minutes per game. Uh, and his, his, his averages are, are five points, three rebounds and one assists. Basically, um, he is shooting 39% from three on 97 attempts. So it's a, a fairly small sample size. Um, but, but what I've seen from him is, is an ability to, to defend at a really high level. And what's different between him and Jaden McDaniels, Jaden McDaniels is more of a big who can switch onto smaller players. Devin Vassell is like, he can guard one through three really well. He can run around, he can get around screens really well, and and he can get his hands in in the dribble and force steals. Um, He's pretty good at reading the passing lanes, and he is looking like he should be a pretty legitimate shooter. He's not ever guarding the best player on the opposing team that's going to be reserved for one of their other five guards who are better than he is at defense already. So when you're thinking like, yes, he looks really great in the stints that he is uh, defending. He's not defending in those stints as consistently as Jaden McDaniels has had to, which is why I actually see uh, Patrick Williams as being, as having the highest defensive ceiling of all these players. I think he will in the end has the highest likelihood of being the best defender in the class. Devin Vassell is leading all rookies in defensive box plus minus at 1.2. Sure. That's a team stat though, too. Like a a lot of box plus minus has to do with who's on the floor with you and who are you having to guard personally? You know what I mean? I mean, I I get it. I get it. Like DeJounte Murray is kind of their, their like defensive guy. Keldon Johnson is probably the player that's guarding the 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 best other player right but I, I i don't know i'm a i'm of a cell believer and so this is one of those picks that's based on what they could be and he's shown a little bit off the dribble he pretty much can only go right at this point um which is, is a little bit concerning but if he can play above average defense and shoot nearly 40 percent from three like at the end of the day that is a super valuable player and so like for for a bunch of these other guys that we're gonna pick from here on out we're going to be banking on them having the best possible outcome. But even if Vassell has the median outcome, like that is still a really quality, like 13 year NBA player. 100%. I love Vassell. I love that you love Vassell because Vassell pre-draft was my guy. Yes, he was. All right, Dylan, who do you pick with number seven? Number seven, I'm going to go a little bit more chalk here, and I'm also going to get those fucking stupid Warriors fans off of my ass. I'm drafting James Wiseman. I'm sorry, but guess what? The tape that I've seen of him in the three games he played in college is still so tantalizing. His body is awesome. When he is moving, 
he still looks so graceful. You cannot teach that grace at that size, right? Mm -hmm. You can't teach that coordination is the word I'm looking for. And that is why I have James Wiseman there. I mean, he showed a little bit early on in the season that he might be a stretch big. I don't think that's going to be where he thrives. And I don't know if it's going to work out like it, everything that we've seen has pointed to, it's not going to work out that his ceiling is maybe Deandre Ayton. I, well, I mean, you can't say Deandre Ayton is a ceiling because we don't even know what Deandre Ayton is yet. That's true. Hopefully he can get back there after the meniscus, but he's still got to have some of that upside in there. No, I'm with you. And I think like his, his counting stats are decent, you know. He's at 11.5 points per game, uh, almost six rebounds per game, and one block per game-ish. And that's on that's in 21 minutes, so he, he hasn't played a ton of minutes. Um, and, and you look at his per 100, it's 25, 12.7, 1.5, and two blocks, uh, which looks incredible. And he's also shooting 31% from three, which isn't great but as a center that's not bad you know it's like it if you can shoot above 30 as a center that is like okay but it's from very low volume because he was like yeah. five for six at the beginning of the year and now he's like 20 percent from three cents so i think he took i think he's taken 63 threes this season no excuse me he's taken i don't have that written down but you're right it is pretty low volume the thing is james wiseman's on off is uh he is uh the 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 Golden State Warriors are negative twelve point six points per one hundred possessions worse when he is on the court than when he is off the court. It's gonna be tough until he can set some quality screens for Steph Curry or and Clay Thompson. It's gonna be really tough for him to be an effective player in the NBA. Yeah. And I I believe in it because a player that size can't not be good at setting those screens. And yep. just at least do that. Like that makes him like just being able to set an average screen for Steph Curry and Clay Thompson makes you an effective offensive player for the Golden State Warriors. So yeah, I mean, if if everything goes right for him, like let's let's say everything goes right for Lamelo, Anthony Edwards, Patrick Williams, and James Weissman. If everything goes right for all four of those players, I can't fault you for drafting James James Weissman number one. Because like he looks like he could be a transcendently big, uh, good big man. I I just it everything would have to go right for him, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't. I mean, for me, his ceiling. I'm drafting these players based off of their ceiling. For me, his ceiling is lower than all of the players that I have ahead of him. But again, Ty Halliburton was below him in my rankings. So, <laughs> all right, up next is me at number eight, and this might come as a bit of a surprise, but I am going to be drafting Sadiq. Bay, I had him high number too. eight pick. I mean, the I mean, he's been killing it. He's shooting 38% from three, and he's taking almost 70% of his shots from three point. Like, he's shooting a ton of three point shots, um, in, in comparison to the rest, of, the rest of the shots that he's taking. Um, he's 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 got a solid body, so the theory of defense is there. I mean, he's not a great defender at this point, but D- Detroit has has the 22nd best defense in the league and for a team that is the worst team in the eastern conference that is surprising you know and and he's playing a ton of minutes for that team 
I like him. I mean, I think that he's got more upside than I thought he had coming into the draft. I mean, he was Eastern old. He's 21. Con- Eastern Conference Player of the Week. What the hell? That came out of nowhere. I know. The dude can fill it up. Like, when he gets hot, he can fill it up. And he's strong. Uh, like, a lot of times you'll see him, like, just, like, dribble into the paint and put his shoulder into people and just push him out of the way. And then he'll he'll score the layup. So, uh, I I'm intrigued by him. He he could be better than I thought he could. You heard it here first, ladies. Sadiq Bay can fill it up. Chalanga has given his seal of approval on Sadiq Bay <laughs> filling it up. Yeah, that's right. All right, Dylan, who do you draft at number nine? Emmanuel quickly. Oh, IQ, baby. Ooh, I hate I this. Defend yourself. I don't like it either, but Emmanuel quickly right now is fourth in box plus minus is a positive player on a New York Knicks team that is also fighting along with the Hornets for the playoffs. Currently, for some reason, Tibbs has got them playing incredibly well. Um, He is also currently third in VORP. So he's been playing a lot of minutes. Not a lot of those minutes are the most important minutes in the game, but he is the backup point guard on a playoff team. And we're getting down to like pick 10 in a draft that was not known for being a great draft class. And so I'm going to take what I know right now. And what I know is that he is shooting five threes a game, 4.9 threes a game, and he's making seven, uh, 37% of them. And on top of all of that, he is playing solidly on defense. I mean, his defensive box plus minus is negative 0.8. But as you have noted, like negative 0.3 is top of the class in defense for these rookies like defense nba level defense is just difficult for people so Tibbs hasn't playing solidly i fuck out at the manual quickly pick in the moment because i had no clue who he was but i think that he's going to be a good player and he has a floor which is something that i had no clue about because i had no clue who he was before yeah he definitely has a floor look uh, his he's playing like 19 minutes per game or something like that. He's not playing that much. His per 36 is insane. It's 30 points, six rebounds, five assists per game. <laughs> his uh, his real counting stats are, are 11, two and two. Uh, he's getting to the line decently. He's he's got like almost a 30 percent free throw rate, which is pretty pretty good. Uh, it's it's in the top 10 among rookies. But on top of it, he's shooting 90 percent from the free throw line. Yes, exactly. So for me, he's just, he's thin and he's wiry and he's not like crazy athletic. He's got a really nice floater game. Uh, He doesn't pass the ball. Uh, You know, he's not really a true point guard. He's six foot three, but he's not, he can't at this point. And I, I don't know if he'll ever get there, but maybe he can't run an offense. Right. And so for me, he, he strikes me as like, his peak is like six man of the year. Like he is a really quality backup guard, which is good. I mean, if you're getting a really quality backup guard at ninth in, in the draft, that's, that's great. That I mean, that's really great. I just don't see the upside there uh, because he's, he's thin. He's not that big. Yeah. I, again, I, I totally get it. I thought I was selling him short by dropping him this far because he is in the top five of all rookie of the year conversations. But mm-hmm. I had I had to put him somewhere because he deserves to be in the lottery, I think. All right. Well, it, since we're talking about six man of the year candidates at number 10, I am going to draft point guard Cole 
Anthony. I can't quit. I can't quit Cole Anthony. I was high on him pre-draft, and I am still high on him. So on the season, he's scoring 11 points, uh, 4.5 rebounds, and three uh, and four assists uh, on a, a poultry 37.3% from the field. But he's shooting 84% from the free throw line, which is decent. There was a 10-game stretch before he got hurt and missed a ton of games, like 15 games or something like that. He went on this little run for 10 games where he was scoring 13 points per game, getting five or 4.8 rebounds, 4.7 assists, and he was shooting 50% from three. Look, Cole Anthony plays with an incredible amount of confidence. He is like the epitome of what you want for a guard off the bench. He can create his own shot. He's a decent facilitator. He'll fight for the rebound. I just, I see six man of the year in his future almost definitely. I mean, he just, he just fits the bill totally. If you think that Emmanuel quickly doesn't have the body to have the upside, I don't know how you see that in Cole Anthony. I know how you see that you have the competitor in Cole Anthony. He obviously threw down a heater on the Timberwolves last second to beat us but it's too far few and far between for me i mean right now his box plus minus is negative 3.9 i mean that's it's just not good and from what you see from the field like he is under 30 percent from three and Mm -hmm. he is his effective field goal percentage is 41.8 i mean Mm -hmm. that is atrocious Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and so when when i'm looking at that and when I'm looking at his defense also doesn't look like it's on the level of an Emmanuel quickly, I had to put him above there. But I will say I can't argue too much because I had Cole Anthony just below. So it's yes, to me, there's yes, in a similar area. And it's just that it's that thing about basketball, that it factor, right? That that like who is going to be that dude who can just like do it and get it done? And based on what I've seen so far, I, I think Cole Anthony, and maybe it's just because he fucked over the Wolves uh, this year. But I think so. I, uh, his handle is also so nice. Anyway, all right, we're getting down to the bottom here. Dylan, who do you draft with the number 11 pick in our redraft? I can't believe I was the man to end up taking this guy, yes, but it's Isaac Okoro. Yes. Okay, Isaac Okoro just has an, a relentless motor. He is already getting chased down blocks. I mean, he is playing a little bit out of position, if you ask me, right now on the Cavs. And I think that that's yes. super unfair to how he has performed, um, especially considering the fact that like they've been playing everyone else. It's either him, uh, Sexton, and, and Garland, and then it's two centers. Or it's just him and Sexton and three centers. So he's Mm -hmm. been put in a terrible position this year with the Cleveland Cavaliers. I still think I see it. I see even more than with Cole Anthony. I see that competitive spirit. I mean, he Mm -hmm. gets angry. He plays angry and fast. Mm -hmm. And so I still have Isaac Okoro in the lottery. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I still believe Isaac Okoro's peak like outcome is one of the best players in this draft. I I think that he is so smart. He makes great decisions. He's already a really good defender. And he, he's limited by his body, yes. But he doesn't make that many mistakes. He gets to the free throw line uh, pretty well at this point for a player who is not an offensive threat. He's got a 25.7% free throw rate. 
which is second among rookies who take at least five shots per game, second only to Emmanuel quickly, actually. And he's got a defensive box plus minus of negative 0.5 on a Cavs defense that is 19th overall, which is, uh, I mean, for me, that's surprising. I mean, their offense is Especially pretty bad. So. The most important thing, and the thing that I've noted before with like P. Willie, with Patrick Williams, is that he is guarding the best player a lot of the time. He mm-hmm. had to guard LeBron James out on an island this year. I watched LeBron put 46 on him. And mm-hmm. so like he is getting very difficult assignments and by he has started a lot of games and he's played the what the second most minutes of any rookie. Yeah. I mean, yep. he is playing the toughest minutes of any of these players. I mean, mm-hmm. other than like obviously Anthony Edwards is playing a lot of those minutes and stuff too. But like out of the players in this range, he is getting the toughest assignments and playing the most minutes. So you have to give him the you have to give him the credit for the volume this year because when we have seen when rookies play high volume, they often are not very effective. They get less effective with the more minutes they play. And he has played a lot of starter minutes for that Cavs team. So kudos yes, yes. to him. Kudos him. He's shooting 31% from three, which is way better than I thought he would shoot this year <laughs> to be like truly um, on almost three, per, uh, three attempts per game. Um, and, and I like him. I I just think, I think that if everything goes right for him, he could be very good. Uh, the offense just has a ways to go. Did we hit a significant tier by the way, just now? I think so. Like Mello Edwards and Williams are in their own tier lame oh fuck what the fuck lame lame just to confirm you have patrick williams in a tier above tyrese halliburton uh yeah because i think the upside is is significantly higher well then why would you take tyrese halliburton number three because i'm not sure about patrick williams you know what i mean like i'm sure lower floor than any of those top three players that we have in that tier yes yes and then Tyrese Halliburton is kind of by himself in this mm-hmm. weird middle zone where it's like, I just like see what he is. I like, I know. Maybe um, Vassell, maybe Vassell, maybe, but I think he's got a little bit more upside too, you know, because, mm-hmm. because he's played so little. So I, 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 I lump him Weissman and McDaniels together. And, and then city could have that upside for sure. For sure. And then we kind of went to our six man and now, we're kind of in the role players zone, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Isaac Okoro probably is going to be a role player. Um, and, and at this point, honestly, unless his offense like really comes along, he might not even be a role player, you know, like he, uh, I'm, I'm worried, but it's okay. So with the 12th pick, I select the Memphis Grizzlies Desmond Bain. He's been so effective. He is going to be a role player in this league for 15 years. Forever. Certainly. certainly. I mean, he is 23 years old already, I believe. And that definitely is a limit on his ceiling. But he also seems like such a great guy and a really hard worker. So those guys just stay in the league for forever. You know, Udonis Haslam stays in the league for forever. But he's better than Udonis Haslam. He's shooting 45% from three this year. Yeah. He's... He, he's insane. He's his true shooting is 60.5. He is the best three point shooter in a class that he wasn't even supposed to be top 10. Mm-hmm. And, and you know what? He is a really quality defender. He's a little bit small, 
right? But he can guard one through three, like very effectively, and he's strong. So I I, I imagine that like as he as the his career goes on, he'll be guarding fours. I see him as like a, a PJ Tucker type, right? Like he's 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 a little shorter, he's stocky, but he's a better shooter than PJ Tucker right now. Um, or PJ Tucker has ever been. So I, I I like him. I think that he is just like he's the type of player that if you're a winning team, you want him on your team. I totally understand. I mean, he is he already is a man, and that <laughs> and at this point, since we have seen it in the NBA, like that's what they were drafting was a man. They knew what they were drafting, but mm-hmm. at this point, since we've seen it, now you can draft it higher. Well, it's funny too because uh, the. He, the 30th pick that he was drafted with, the Celtics originally had that pick. And I I know that they would rather have Desmond Bain on their team right now than Aaron Neesmith. Like, they thought they were getting their 3 and D guy with Aaron Neesmith, but it turns out it's Desmond Bain. So, Absolutely. Sorry. Um, and right. Even, at, Who do you even pick? at 14, they might have taken Desmond Bain over Neesmith. Oh, definitely. For sure. At this point, no question. All right, Dylan, who do you take with number 13? I'm taking another upside player because after Okoro, I actually just don't know if I see it with any of these guys. And yes, we have the Desmond Baines, the Xavier Tillmans, the the high floor guys, but I'm still taking the high ceiling guys because yes, while we have seen it for a season, we have, it's still a small sample size and it's a weird sample size. Like everything that happened in the bubble, everyone's taking with a grain of salt. Why aren't people taking this season with a grain of salt too? Like there are no fans in the stands. The all the travels fucked up. Uh, Everyone's this is hurt. Not a normal NBA season. So I'm I'm taking all of these stats at this point with these with this level of players with a grain of salt, and I'm going to go back to the chalk draft boards before the season, and I'm taking Onyeko Kongwu, but he has shown in spurts that he has been okay, and on top of all of that. Since Nate McMillan has taken over, he has he has regained his spot in the lineup. I mean, just after the All-Star break, he was still middling in that three to ten minute range where it looks like he was probably playing a lot of garbage time. But he has gotten back up to like he played 32 minutes on April 7th against the Memphis Grizzlies. Granted, they lost by a lot. But he has shown a lot of defensive upside. His defensive warp is 0.8. And granted, yes, he's only played 357 minutes. But there are those, there just is that upside in this player. He could be a small ball center. He's 6'8", 235. But I could see him as a small ball center of the future. And I still have him above the other small ball centers in Isaiah Stewart and Xavier Tillman Sr. Yeah, the problem with Oniko Kongwu is that since he is small and he can't shoot, he has to be such a good defender for him to pan out because he can only play center. Like yeah. we've seen we've seen that with Jared Vanderbilt. And Jared Vanderbilt is a better dribbler and passer than Oniko Kongwu at this point. And so like and and he can barely make the rotation on the worst team in the NBA. Yeah. So if he is going to pan out, he has to be like uh, he has to play defense like Bam Adebayo plays defense, you know, and he has to switch one through five effectively and he has to block he has to block shots. And he like I get it. I, I can see it. He has the tools 
I just don't know if he's going to be able to put it all together. But he has also only played 357 minutes this season. So he is still a huge unknown. So I, I totally get taking the upside here because um, he could pan out. There were people saying that he was the better center prospect than uh, James Wiseman pre-draft. So I, I get it. All right. I've got the last pick here. That, and uh, I just I just have to say that oh. the him not being able to shoot is precisely the reason why I could not take Precious Achua in the top 14 this uh, yeah. for this redraft. Like I love yeah. Precious, but like it's just not going to work out. Yeah, I I'm rooting for Precious, but I, I couldn't take him in the lottery either. I I, I kind of I wrestled with this one because like right now Isaiah Stewart is playing the best out of mm-hmm. any of the rookies that are left for me to draft. But I I still don't see the path to him being more than a like a spot minutes guy. Uh cuz cuz he can't really switch. He's a better he's a better rim protector than I thought it would be, which is great. And he he's shooting a little bit, you know, he's shooting 42% from 3, but he's only taking 26 attempts. And so to me, he's just like that energy guy that like Kenneth Fareed type, but who can space the floor a little bit, which is, you know, useful and cool. But, but you know, I don't know if that's a lottery pick. So I went with the upside and with the 14th pick I drafted and Dylan, you're not going to believe this, but I went with Denny Avdia. Oh no. Yeah, I did. I considered it. I did. I did. Look, 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 look. He's bigger than I thought he was. Better at defense. He, Way better defense. Uh, that, that's what did it for me, is that he's a competent defender right away. And so my concern with him pre-draft is like, well, if the ball's not going to be in his hands, like he's going to have to be very good for the ball to be in his hands because that's how he played over in Israel. And so like if the ball's not in his hands, like how good is, like how what can he be? But he's proven that he's a quality defender, which is a good start. And he's still young and can develop his shot and develop his handling. And like, if he can be a Dario Saric level playmaker and a solid defender, like that, that's a good player. And that's a player that I want on my team. So I, I, I like him more than I thought I would. He also might be a significant reason why the wizards are not even in the playing game right now. (laughs) Well, I mean, they have to play him a ton. I mean, they're playing a, a lot of him and a lot of Rui Hachimura. Who, Rui is bad. Rui is like Rui does not know how to play NBA basketball right now, Oops. and that yeah. is too bad. He has been starting uh, a lot of the games since the All Star break. All of like the last ten nine games, it looks like he has started. So talk about teams with a bleak outlook. Yikes! Ooh. I would not want to be a Wizards fan ever. Me neither. Should we do some notable uh, omissions? Killian Hayes dropped out. Like Killian Hayes has only played eleven Killian games, Hayes. but he dropped keep, out keep of the lottery. That's unbelievable. I mean, talk about a loss for Kevin O'Connor. He took a big L on this podcast today. I hope he listens. Shout out Kevin O'Connor. Kevin O. Killian sucks. I thought you were gonna say uh, Kevin O'Connor. Oh. <laughs> Um, yeah, I don't, I just, I didn't like Killian Hayes pre-draft. Like, I don't think he was in my lottery pre-draft and I I haven't seen anything that's made me change my mind. So I I can't have him in here. Um, some notables that I had, RJ Hampton has actually looked more intriguing 
then I mean, I, I had him kind of high actually pre pre draft just because of his athleticism and his notoriety, but he's looked decent. I think he could be a, a, de- a decent player in this league. He's he's really athletic and he's very confident, which I like. Uh, Kyra Lewis Jr. has also looked okay for a competitive Pelicans team. I mean, his box plus minus is only negative 2.5, which is pretty good amongst these rookies. And he's played 500, 500 minutes for him. Um, Honestly, uh, Kyra didn't make my list oh, probably only because he's the rookie that I've probably watched the least. Like, I just, yeah. I, I, I haven't seen him play, so I really don't know. He's also listed at 6'1", 170 pounds. So, again, that ceiling oh because of his size is going to be very <laughs> difficult. That is so little. Uh, and then one other player that I want to shout out is Zeke Naji uh, for the uh, Denver Nuggets. He's kind of a center power forward. He's He's been able to stretch the floor a little bit. He's been pretty switchable. I didn't know much about him pre-draft. Uh, he's a Minnesota guy, which is great. Hi, M-I-N-N-E-S-O-T-A. Julie. N-I-N-N-E-S-O-T-A. Shoes got vodka. Shoes got vodka. Yeah, gophers. Take a shot, Dylan. Take a shot. No. The last Ladies time and... I had warm vodka. Dylan is taking a shot live on pod. That's it for our 2020 NBA redraft. Uh, our order was LaMelo Ball, Anthony Edwards, Patrick Williams, Tyrese Halliburton, Jada McDaniels, Devin Vassell. James Weissman, Sadiq Bey, Emmanuel Quickly, Cole Anthony, Isaac Okoro, Desmond Bain, Onyeka Okongwu, and Denny Avdia. Some notable people who dropped out. Killian Hayes, Obi Toppin. Anyone else notable that I'm forgetting? Uh, I mean, Kyra Lewis Jr., technically. Aaron oh, yeah. Smith was was drafted 14th. in yep. the lottery. Yep. Yep. Jalen yep. Smith. What is he doing? Jalen Smith has a BPM of negative 8.8, but he has only played 82 minutes this season. (laughs) That was a terrible pick at the time. And like everyone was like, what the fuck are you doing? But you know what? We gave him the benefit of the doubt because last year we thought Cam Johnson was going to be a terrible pick and that panned out for them. So I don't know. Yes, it did. All right, well, they trusted their board. Thank you for listening to the CND NBA show. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram, Twitter at CND NBA. Send us an email at CNDNBA at gmail.com. Tyrese Maxey. Tyrese Maxey, you know what you did. <laughs> you um, know what you did, Ty. I, he's He scored 39 points, but I think he stinks. Uh, <laughs> Theo, Teo Maladone, all of the... No, he stinks. All of the... Uh, Every single OKC person thinks that Teo Maladon is going to be amazing. Or Alexej Pokashevsky. Stink. All Total stink. Gross. Total stink. I think Peyton Pritchard, Malachi Flynn were two people that uh, are kind of interesting we didn't mention as well. Um, don't forget to leave us a rating and review. Uh, we've been getting above 50 listeners on several podcasts in recent days and we still have like eight reviews and ratings mm-hmm. on apple music and that's me being generous i don't know if it is eight please just give us five stars you don't even have to write anything just give us five stars it helps and don't forget to download downloading is also good for us yes um, thank automatic you so much for download and then delete them delete have them on automatic delete after one episode and it'll delete every twice a week it'll delete then so easy. Shout out to Jack Rosenwinkel in St. Louis for letting me camp in your backyard. Shout out to Sam Knight for uh, t- taking a beautiful trip with me 
I didn't even tell you about my trip, Dylan. Damn, that's for the next pod, I guess. <laughs> Shout out to Jane Jensen, always out there listening to us before she goes to sleep. Hey, shouts to Jane. Not shouts to Carrie though for not giving me updates about Ooh. you know letting me know that your mom was listening. So f you. Um, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Shouts to Ben Kinkwali. Shouts to Tim Komatsu. I will be hanging out with tomorrow. Shouts to Troy Aslan as always. We love you. Goodbye. I have one more question. Yes. Where would you have picked Jaden McDaniels? Because I know that I took him too high for you. Yeah, you did. I would have gone Tyrese, Devin, Jaden. So not too high. I might have picked. I might have picked Wiseman before him. Actually, there's a chance. I, I mean, don't know. I, I was back to back. I was kind of gutting it out, but I think Vassell, McDaniel's, Weissman, and Bay were all kind of like I don't know. They okay, could so go you anywhere. still would have had him eight. That's really high. No, I mean he's been awesome. <laughs> okay, so yeah, no worries. All right, shout out so Wolves fans. We got the steal of the draft. Yup.